everybody, one and all, welcome in to the Hop the Craft Beer Podcast with Gabe and Steven. That is Gabriel Apria right over there. My name is Steven Humes, and we are your hosts. We make beer fun, inclusive, informative, and entertaining each and every week. Thank you for joining us. We are How are we doing? How are we doing? Feel good. Feel uh, great. You know, we bridged the gap. We're in September now. Fall is a present. It's starting to feel less like Satan's Kitchen in New York, as I would like to say. So uh, it's nice that it's starting to get a little cooler, starting to get a little more breathable. We're going to start seeing a lot more Oktoberfest and Fest beers and that of the nature. Pumpkin beers are, are coming. Those are always fun. Coming down the pike. Uh, yes, yeah, sir. It's, it's been a weird weather week in California. I don't know if you've seen the headlines, but uh, it's been a little toasty, a little warm out here. Um, we had like triple digit weather and then we ended oh the week. Oh, God. And then Friday comes and I'm like, is it raining? Which... When you live in Southern California, like when I first moved here, I turned on the news and there were like newscasters being like, it's going to rain. And I would make fun of it. I was like, that's news. But when you live here long enough, that really is real. You're like, is it raining right now? And I go outside. Wait, what? Come to find out it was a tropical storm that hit off the coast of Baja, causing like torrential winds and rain for two days. It's been a weird week, man. My um, God, are you okay? You good? Hey, I'm fine. I'm in the middle. I'm in central, you know, LA. So I just sort of watch it from afar. But all that to say, I could use a drink. And, yes, amen. Uh, and we're going to a California brewery, actually. Uh, come to think of it, we're going to Casa Agria, a brewery out of Oxnard, Cali, local sort of to me. Oxnard is uh, just outside of California. It's in California. It's just outside of Los Angeles. There so it is. Uh, we're hitting them up. Gabe is bringing the noise. I'm bringing the funk, if you will. Gabe's got yes. some 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 classics. I've got some weird beers. So uh, four beers, lots to do. I was just shocked I was able to get this brewery out here. So here we go. Yeah, we. I saw this. I said, uh, ring-a-ding-ding, let's get it. So uh, yeah, we're really excited. Thank you guys for joining us. So if you are not engaged with us already, get engaged with us. It's uh, at the HO Podcast, Instagram, and Twitter. You can hit us up by email if you have suggestions or requests or anything of that nature. Our email is thehopod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find the show on YouTube if you'd like to watch the show. Just search for the Hop A Craft Beer Podcast. Once you've found us, I would suggest you subscribe and click the bell so that you get notified when things are happening. And wherever you listen to the podcast, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, Google, whatever your platform of choice, please be sure to follow us there and to rate and review. It's the best way to get the word out about the show. We really appreciate it. Uh, And if you just want to engage with us personally, Gabe is at GabeRate67. I am at Shakespeareist on all the platforms. Find us. Find us, like us, give us the thumbs up. Let us know what breweries to hit up next. Let us know what breweries to repeat. Let us know what kind of weather you're experiencing. If you're in the middle of the country, what's it like? Is it sunny? Is it cloudy with a chance of meatballs? Nobody knows. Tell us. We love you. We're here for you. And with that, let us do some news. Beer news. Okie doke. So uh, 
Sapporo has officially closed on the acquisition of Stone Brewing. We reported on this a while back. They were or are purchasing Stone Brewing. The closing has happened. So now Stone Brewing belongs to Sapporo um, or the Japanese company that owns Sapporo. So uh, the deal's done. It's not going to be a whole Maui brewing modern time situation. <laughs> We're not getting any of that drama. Yeah, we'll let you know if anyone backs out, but it, it seems like it's going forward. <laughs> Harpoon Brewing has uh, re-released their Dunkin' Beers. Their Boxo Beer is coming out with uh, Dunkin' Donuts. They do this every year. And uh, we have some new additions to the mix. We oh, have boy. The Harpoon IPA is back. But we have this year a pumpkin spiced latte ale. We have, which I think was in there last year, right? Uh, That's if it if it wasn't the same, it was very simple. They always have a pumpkin something. So yeah, so the so in the mix pack, what you're going to get is is these four different beers, and then the IPA donut is coming back on its own. But uh, they have a new Dunkin' Coffee Roll Cream Ale. Fun coffee and cream ale. I'm interested. They have a Dunkin' Cold Brew Coffee Porter, which is similar. I might need to get that because I love me some cold brew. Similar to one they had last year, I think. And then they have, and I'm not a fan of this, but they have a hazelnut (laughs) blonde stout. I was just about to say, Stephen, don't eat it. Don't eat it. But what I love about that, though, is that it is a golden stout, something you rarely see in the world of beer. But there are some good ones out there. And when you get a beer like that, uh, if you've never had it, it's like it's it's golden color. It looks like an ale, just sort of a, a golden ale or a blonde ale. And then you drink it and it tastes like a coffee stout. It's a trippy experience, man. It's weird, but it's awesome. Um, I think we should do this again. We did it two years ago. And I have to say, obviously, some beers were better than others. Oh, my God. But <laughs> it was really fun. You know, Dunkin' Donuts with beer. Like, it just doesn't happen. And so we... Rose to the occasion, and I remember the Boston, there was a Boston cream one, very good. Mm -hmm. And as much as I love blueberry things, blueberry flavor, blueberry anything, there the blueberry one was a big swing and a miss. That was like, (laughs) whoa, no. Well, the brewery agrees with you because it got the axe. (laughs) It got canceled immediately. Yeah, I'd be down to do it again, but I we have a problem with that hazelnut one. That's an issue for some of us. I got you. And then what else is happening? Oh, Bell's Brewing, Bell's Brewery has uh, expanded its distribution network, distribution network. And we don't normally comment on distribution news, but I did just want to mention that they're now available in the great state of Montana. Montana. It took this long, but now you can get your hands on Bell's Brewery. Congratulations, Bell's, on your new footprint I'm sure. And if you're just joining us for the first time ever and wondering why we like Montana so much, we don't know either. We it yeah, if that drop doesn't make sense to you, join the club. You'll you're does, you'll fit right in. Doesn't make sense to us either, but here we are. <laughs> All right. First item on the news and notes, Allagash is opening a new tasting room 2024. But the production is going to stay in Portland. They've agreed to purchase a seven-acre plot of land in Scarborough, Maine, which will house the new tasting room. It will replace the existing tap room, which is in Portland, Maine. Side note, go to Portland. A lot of fun. Great, great time there. Uh, It will be within the Downs, a 524-acre, quote, 
Mixed Use Live Work Play Community. It's located about 15-minute drive away from Allagash's Portland operations. Uh, I Like I said, all the production and packaging will remain in Portland. We love Allagash. Great brewery. Great uh, beers. Great vibe. Great atmosphere. Um, so anytime they want to expand and try something new, we're all about it. We all want to do it. Um, so we're looking forward to that. We're hoping... There will be more new beers soon, and we'll keep you updated on that. Yeah, Allagash is just one of those sort of staples of the beer community, and so uh, it's great to see them expanding. We love to see breweries expanding. Normally, we have to come on here week after week and talk about breweries, uh, the opposite of expanding. So, um, Correct. So good for you, Allagash. We, you know, we had them on early, early days, so it might be time yeah. to revisit some some main action in the beer world yeah because you know we had we had the trapel we had the white we had another another i think just a regular pale ale but they've got a lot of weird shit and you know i would love to see what else they all all, the weird stuff what they got cooking yeah uh so check it out check out allagash if you if you're if you're not hip to allagash get on it uh all right there's a new beer collab in the world and we wanted to talk about it because this is something we love. It's beer for a cause, and we always support these if we can. This one is called Drinking in Another State. It's a collaborative effort being led by a group called Beer is for Everyone. It's an advocacy group that works to champion diverse voices in the beer industry. The cause is aimed at raising money for a health fund to provide access to abortion services to Bev Alk industry workers that need those services, but live in states where the practice has been abolished. So let me just say off the bat, we recognize the, this is not a political podcast, and we recognize the hot button nature of this topic, but we're here to report the news, and this is a beer collab that we feel uh, deserves to be known about. So it's it's inspired by a meme. There was a meme that went around the internet shortly after the, the Supreme Court decision came down uh, early in the summer, and the meme said... If you're a person who suddenly finds yourself with a need to go drinking in another state, a state friendly towards drinking, just know that I will happily drive you, support you, and not talk about the drinking trip to anyone ever. So that's what inspired the name, uh, quote, drinking in another state. And basically, it's uh, it's different from the other ones that we've talked about, such as the Resilience IPA, the Black is Beautiful, the Brave Noise. It does not have a shared beer recipe. Instead, participating breweries are just invited to brew any beer that they choose, but they're donating their proceeds to this organization, the BIFE, the Beers for Everyone, uh, and their Emergency Health Fund. Currently, there are about 40 breweries that have signed up to be a part of this. You know, breweries, especially in heavily affected states, are are very interested in it. If you're interested in reading more about it, beerisforeveryone.com is the company's website, and you can read about the initiative there. There's plenty of information. There's plenty of bullet points. And there's also a list of other things that breweries can do to get involved and sort of ways that you as a consumer can support, whether it's purchasing uh, the beer, just donating, or just donating directly to the cause or something like that, if you'd like to do so. So we love beer for a cause. We're happy to see it. And as we always say, if you see it, you should buy it. Just buy it. Who cares what it tastes like? I'm sure it's great, but buy it. Uh, A beer for a cause that got started by a meme. 
2022. Right. Right. <laughs> no, it's awesome. It's really cool to see. And uh, we will keep you informed on the beer. Uh, this one doesn't have any sort of uh, details about like ABV or anything like that. But uh, we'll keep an eye, close eye out and uh, report as we go forward. Because the breweries can brew any beer they, they want. So uh, it's going to range go. in sort of what you can get, but um, which makes it different from the other beers. But it's definitely worth looking out for. So who's going to brew the 15%? Who's going to step up? Looking at you, Firestone Walker. Bang! Exclamation point. And speaking of segue. Perfect, perfect segue. Very good. Firestone Walker is getting in the football game, so to speak. Uh, they are introducing their Cal Poly Gold. It's their official craft beer of Cal Poly, which is California Polytechnic State University. Uh, they are introducing it for the football team. They will debut the beer at the Mustangs first 2022 home football game, which already happened on September 10th. It will continue to be available at all the athletic events where concessions are sold. This is a collaboration effort uh, to quote the brewery Cal Poly graduates have always played a vital role in the ranks of our brewing team and elsewhere in our brewery. That's from the co-founder, David Walker. Like us, Cal Poly is passionate about the brewing sciences and craft culture. And this collaboration is the latest, latest example of how we support each other, which is really cool to see. I feel like although this is football, it, it also kind of is beer for a cause. Another great addition to talk about. The proceeds from all the concession sales at the football games and other sporting events are going to help fund student-athlete scholarships and will help provide new and exciting learn-by-doing internship opportunities for Cal Poly students. So look out for this beer. It sounds really cool. It looks really cool. I'm not too sure about the information regarding, like I said, ABV, things like that, but it looks dope. And Can Arts and Crafts, uh, the score would not be low. And it has been an exciting week. To, uh, Gabe was forbidden from speaking of football on this podcast today. but uh, If you're it, on YouTube, uh, you can see what I'm wearing and see how happy I am, but it, we'll just leave it at that. It was a rough weekend, but it was delightfully refreshing to have uh not only the nfl but also the college games i'm not really a college football guy generally but um due to my life circumstances it's been thrust upon me and so life circumstances <laughs> you know going so, to a school where they have a good football team oh just, poor me <laughs> they didn't until i graduated and now they're good okay yeah, all right they can hang gabe we got a lot of beer to drink let's uh let's toast it up Yes, we do. We have a lot of beers to drink. I think it's only right that for this episode, we pour one out. As you all know, we heard in the news, Queen Elizabeth II recently passed away. She was a figure for so long. I think it was 70 years. She was, uh, you know, in power and she really inspired a lot of people. I, I got to be honest, I didn't really know a lot about her. Until even before her death, like honestly, just reading about how she changed people and how nice she was. And apparently she had a great sense of humor. Would have loved to have seen that. Long story short, I there was a poem that went viral kind of recently. This poem uh, was written for the queen as from the perspective of the queen. 
Uh, so I thought it would be only fitting to not only pour one out for her, but to offer her this toast. Philip came to me today and said it was time to go. I looked at him and smiled as I whispered that I know. I then turned and looked behind me and saw I was asleep. All my family were around me and I could hear them weep. I gently touched each shoulder with Philip by my side. Then I turned away and walked with my angel guide. Philip held my hand as he led the way to a world where kings and queens are monarchs every day. I was given a crown to wear or a halo known by some. The difference is up here. They are worn by everyone. I felt a sense of peace. My reign had seen its end. Seventy years I had served my country as the people's friend. Thank you for the years, for all your time and love. Now I am one of two again in our palace up above. That was originally written by Joanne Boyle. Like I said, it kind of went viral. It was a poem in the perspective of the queen. It's for the queen. Queen Elizabeth, thank you. You'll be missed. And this this one's for you. We're going to pour one out for you. We're going to drink for the queen. And yeah, I, d- Queen Elizabeth, I, you know, first of all, whatever your thoughts on the monarchy, um, which is a complicated institution that has presided over questionable things in history uh, to be kind. But Queen Elizabeth, the things that woman saw in life are, <laughs> I um, I did, I watched The Crown the first couple seasons and then I kind of fell off when they changed the cast. But when you watch that show, it's kind of crazy because the beginning of it, it's like, it feels like Downton Abbey or something. It's like mm. old and, uh, and the characters are all you know they're all driving it's like like nobody has cars there's no technology you know it's like this big controversial thing that they they coronate this queen and it's all controversial because she wants to televise it it's like the first time anybody has seen images from inside a coronation ceremony that was this lady that was her she is and she was coronated in the 1950s and she saw and she lived from the 20s i mean she saw wars she saw the world change literally um over and over again. And yeah. she led the monarchy through uh, a lot of tumult over the years. And she was definitely um, Britain's kind of mother. So uh, a life well lived, a queen well reigned. Charles, step up, up to the boy. plate, my man. <laughs> yeah. The student becomes the master at 73. My man's got a job now. Let's see what he does with it. Let's see what he does with it. All right. Let's. <laughs> Uh, that's enough of that. Let's, let's, let's go drinking. kicking things off here i told you i'm bringing the weird stuff and i'm starting with this guy right here oh the green part doesn't show up on youtube (laughs) it's the beer of the demon it is an english style dark mild ale and it was brewed to celebrate an album release more on that later but that's uh fun it came out in about march or april of this past year 
and like I said, it's an English style dark, but it is a mild ale. The ABV is 3.7%. That's super low. That is like. You're going to need like 12 more. <laughs> that's like almost athletic brewing. Not really. But uh, IBUs, we don't have that info. Untapped has it at 3.79. Beer Advocate doesn't even know it exists. The SRM chart, it's about a 39. It looks jet black, but there is, and you can kind of see at the bottom of my glass, maybe a little bit of brown or reddish hue along the outsides. It is not completely black. It's more of a dark, dark, dark brown. From the brewery, Beer of the Demon is an English-style dark mild ale brewed with heritage English barley, chocolate malt, and crystal malt. This collaborative brew was made to celebrate the release of Night Demon's new album release, Year of the Demon, an old school brew that pairs best with old school metal. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm not a metalhead. <laughs> Steven, you didn't want to play that song? <laughs> you know, I thought about getting one of their songs as a drop, and then I was like, you know what? It, We're all going to wake even, up with a headache. It's going to be a whole thing. We're going to get sued. It's just not worth it. But yeah. uh, I, so I don't know. I don't know anything about metal, to be honest. I'm a classic rock guy myself, but... This is cool, and we don't often see beers released uh, to celebrate an album. The the uh, group Night Demon is currently on tour. You can check them out if you're a lot of Delaware dates. I'm not really sure why oh. that is. They're spending oh, a lot of t- in that state. Oh, why? Spending <laughs> a lot of time in Delaware. I looked a little bit at their tour dates. They got some Ontario, maybe a little Delaware. bit of uh, Pennsylvania, but yeah, a lot of Delaware. But they're from California. Um, I oh, believe cool. they're from Oxnard, California. So oh, there you go. That would make sense. But the beer is right here in this fun, tall glass. Like I said, it's dark. It poured with about a thumbnail's worth of sort of stringy tan foam. Had some decent retention. Has since receded into a ring around the glass. And it's got some decent lacing to it. So, you know, it's an English dark. That means that the hops are going to be English and mostly it's going to feature... the malt. We're going to be leaning on the maltier side. It's not as rich or as dark as, say, a stout. It's more in the world of a porter, but with a much lower ABV. But it's going to feature that roasted malt that we love to see again. You know, chocolate malt, crystal malt, English barley. You know, the 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 malt profile is really going to be the star of the show here, not the hops. But the hops that are in here are probably sort of of the English gold ring variety or something like that. Something pretty earthy. Something pretty British. <laughs> On brand. Yeah, on brand for today's episode. God save the queen. Okay. It kind of looks like a... It it looks like a solid... I was going to say Guinness, but I want to take that back. It looks just like a solid porter from my view anyway. Yeah, and you know, that's what it smells like. I mean, Guinness is actually even a fair comparison. It smells a lot like that. Uh, The English malt is up front. All of those roasted sort of nutty characteristics. Maybe a little bit of caramel and vanilla. I wouldn't go so far as to say something like coffee. Uh, mm. It's not that sweet. It's got an earthiness to it for sure. Uh, bread and cereal, cereal grain. Um, the sweetness that is there is vanilla and the hops. Like there's not a lot of citrusness or anything of that nature showing up on the aroma. It's definitely much more, but it smells a lot like a porter. It's that sort of clean chocolatey thing where it nice. doesn't smell. It's not a dessert. It's not super sweet. But it smells sort of roasted and maybe a little bitter. And you just know that it's going to be, again, dark malty. Mm. 
I shall now commence the sifting process. Get in there. Slotcha. Porters are fun because they're not as heavy as stouts. They're not as creamy as stouts. It's more, I, I feel like porters, we say this a lot. Porters are more on the taste. They're more on the flavors rather than the like beer texture, so to speak. So I'm interested to see how this one hits. 3.7. Weak. No, I'm kidding. That's fine. No, I mean, it's... um. <laughs> You're like, it yeah, is, it sucks. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's surprising how flavorful it is. It packs a lot of flavor in. Um, okay, obviously roasted malt, very nutty, lots of sort of, uh, I guess, I don't know, almond. Um, it's it's dark sort of nuttiness. Uh, the malt is the star of the show. A little bit of corn, roasted, uh, you know, dark bread, pumpernickel bread, all that kind of stuff. Again, not really coffee. I mean, there's a hint of like maybe caramel, maybe some like roasted espresso, like a dark, dark, bitter Ooh, kind of coffee. Now we're talking. But it's not very sweet up front. And then as you swallow it, um, I was looking for a hint of berry. Sometimes with these, you get like a little bit of like a touch of like raspberry or strawberry, just very subtle. I don't get a lot of fruitiness um, really at all. What there is is a hint of vanilla, and I think even more so when I swallowed it, because there's not an alcohol punch or any of that sort of like um, boozy quality. It's it, it is pretty sweet uh, on the finish, and mm. in an interesting way, there's this just like touch of maybe marshmallow or vanilla or something just behind it that is um, unexpected but fun. Interesting. In the mouth, uh, again, I said it's surprisingly flavorful. It's very, very drinkable. I mean, I wouldn't call it crushable because of the style. I think crushable, yeah. <laughs> we think, yeah, like a Pilsner or... It's not a, you know, it's not a, a what do they call it? session beer, you know? Yeah, no, this is a lot of flavor to just slam, but yeah. that said, it's definitely easy drinking. Um, and the alcohol content is obviously super low. I don't think it's like thin or watery or anything like that it's it's sturdy medium bodied and flavorful and very very good it leaves the mouth with like a lingering you know bitterness that's sort of like if you just ate some like burnt popcorn or something burnt mm. like that that would just sort of that that bitterness lingers that in your char. mouth yeah um but i mean i i wish i was listening to some heavy metal music right now honestly dude it's just uh <laughs> Yeah, it does that to your taste buds. That whatever that That's was. Awesome. <laughs> it's I, really I have good. to say, I was I became one of those metalheads, I think, for like two weeks. And then honestly, I joked about it earlier. It but hurt your I, ears. <laughs> yeah, I was started getting headaches. I was like, this is I, I need some some low, chill, fun music. Not like listen, there's a place. I don't know how you feel about Andrew WK, but that song Party Hard. That's on the gym playlist for sure. I get going to that, but not all the time. Yeah, I I um don't want to shit on anybody's fun, but it definitely I find a lot of it to be uh a little assaulting to my ears. I find <laughs> it slightly unpleasant, but that's just me. Other people have their hobbies. Look, everybody's yeah. that's the beautiful thing about music. We all love what we love and we all hate country. There's one thing that's unanimous. <laughs> Yeah, suck it. <laughs> uh, yeah, but this is, um, it's just interesting because it's like beer of the demon. Like it's it's supposed to be like the, the artwork on it is like, it's like 
things coming down from above. You, I expected when I saw Beer of the Demon, I'm like, oh God, what am I in for here? And then 3.7%. It's like, oh, interesting that that's the way they chose to go with it. Um, but maybe they just didn't want to get a bunch of metalheads really trashed at their brewery. Maybe they were that, <laughs> or they're like, these guys got to drink it on stage and they need to pay attention. They can't be slamming twelve percent <laughs> and ripping the guitar solo. They're gonna be playing the wrong instruments. I I I like it very much. I also just like that we have this style on here. You know, this is a style. Yeah. I, I told you I'm here to bring the weird today, and this is the first of those, and it's just not a style we see very much of. So. Uh, I got that that side covered, and I'll be done with this like before we finish this episode. This I'm just gonna I'm gonna slam this right slam now. Slam it, one touch it, just yeah. Whoop. All right, I'm tagging in. I'm going back to the normal stuff, but I'm really still really excited for it. I've got the Camp Comfort Hazy West Coast IPA. I saw West Coast and I said, "Ooh, gimme, gimme." This one looks fun. I've read a few reviews that uh, say that as well. And it's made with one of my favorite hops. It is 6.8%. No IBUs to speak of. Beer Advocate gave us a big middle finger. Untapped gave it a 3.81 on the SRM chart. Here it is in the glass. If you are on YouTube, it is very hazy, very cloudy. Cannot see through it. I would give it maybe between like a 7, 8-ish. It's darkish yellow uh, on the color, has a great head retention, nice soft little pillow of white, looks very soft and pillowy. From the brewery, that home away from home, this hazy West Coast IPA is one of the creature comforts perfect while far from home or in your own yard. Camp Comfort is dry hopped with a tropically dank blend of Citra, Galaxy, Simcoe, and Strata. Camp in Comfort with our Camp Comfort. Good wordplay. Well done. I'm going to give a sniff. Time to go camping. Yeah, I. this is the point where, uh, where Steven comes in to just rain on the old word parade. And I would just like to say hazy and West Coast are two conflicting terminologies and also Citra, Citra, Galaxy, Simcoe, and Strata. Citra and Simcoe, for sure, are associated more with New England IPAs than West Coast IPAs. Strata, not so much. That is more of a West Coasty thing. Galaxy is a wild card. Um, One of my favorite hops. When I, yeah, I just die. What are we doing with the terminology, people? I'm talking to the beer world as a, the universal we right now. I'm just like, what? Hazy West Coast? That does, those are different things. Make up your mind. Stop taking our, look, the West Coast IPAs are bitter. The hazy IPAs are from New England. They're not Northeast IPAs. They're not just hazy IPAs. They are New England IPAs. They belong to the fine people of... All right, let me get off my soapbox. How does that smell? It smells hot. It smells like a West Coast. It smells hoppy. It smells citrusy, but it smells really hoppy. It smells really earthy. I don't think we're going to waste any more time. You can get back on your soapbox because I'm going to take a few sips. Great. Yeah, I just, you know, there is... I, I, I don't... I certainly don't mean to say that West Coast breweries can't brew hazy IPAs, and I, to a degree, understand why they don't call them New England IPAs, but... We have to come up with a way where we can differentiate between these styles. And to us, the beer drinkers, it 
hazy IPA, New England IPA, those things mean this juicy IPAs, those things mean one thing. And then you have your hoppy IPAs, which are the general term is West Coast. So because it comes from the days of like Sierra Nevada, which is a West Coast beer or, you know, going back to, I mean, you know, Pliny is obviously a very famous one. There are plenty of famous ones that come from out here and the the IPA was made popular, I guess, first out here and it was bitter. And so I don't know when I just see hazy West Coast, it drives me crazy, but that's just me. This brewery's great. Please patronize them. How's the beer, Gabe? So we've got a West Coaster for sure. But I was expecting there, there's something that the haziness, however they got there, there's something that it does to the beer that points it in a different direction. It's it's definitely a West Coast style. It's definitely hoppy. It has I okay, so I think I can taste the galaxy hops because I don't know what it is, but there's something I really love about the taste and earthiness about Galaxy Hops. I think they work really well. I think they give a different taste on the beer, and I really enjoy it. And so I can taste those really straight up. I'm not really getting a lot of citrus on the taste. I'm get, I was getting it more on the smell. It's West Coast with like a touch of New England, I think. I think the haziness just kind of gives it that not even that it tastes juicy, not even that it tastes citrusy, just the fact that it could be more West Coast. Like, <clears throat> excuse me, it could be hoppier. It could be earthier. It already is those things. It tastes very good. It's surprisingly very easy to drink. There's not a whole lot of battling carbonations. It, it has a solid bitterness. It has a dry finish. But it's kind of easy to drink. It's 6.8%, so rut row. But it's 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 nice. I like it. It's lively. It's fun. It's it, it's a West Coast IPA that won't make you feel like full or like bloated or it 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 might go well with dinner. Do you find it bitter at all? A little bit. Yes, there's a little bit of that bitterness. It's all on the back end. When you first taste it, when it's in the mouth, as it's going down, not really. On the back end, it's there. As I said, I was expecting more. It could be more if you want it to be. The fact that it's, you know, on a scale from 1 to 10 bitterness, it's, you know, 7, 8-ish. So, like, it could go over more. But I think the haziness kind of pulls it back a little bit and makes it humble. Yeah, I mean, the word I'm going to use the others. If I had another soapbox to get on, it would be all breweries. I would like you to all forever and always please list the IBU information on your websites. We would like to know because when it comes to an IPA specifically, I mean, the the other styles, it doesn't matter as much. But when it comes to an IPA specifically, uh, if you're not familiar, the IBUs mean international bitterness units, and those are. Basically, they're not completely accurate or scientific, but what they are is a, just a generally agreed upon language. And there's a different one in Europe that kind of correlates, but it's agree, an agreed upon language to discuss how bitter a beer is. So if you're drinking and 
generally they fall in line with the ABV. So if you're drinking a 7% a, uh, ABV beer and you drink and it's got 70 IBUs, that's what I consider to be a classic West Coast. Like a mm. Sierra Nevada Pale Ale or their Torpedo is a little bit more bitter, but a Pale Ale I think is a, around 6% ABV and it's got 60 to maybe 58 IBUs. So if you were drinking this, it's 6.8%. If you told me it was, you know, 50 on an IBU scale, then yeah, maybe it's more New England than West Coast. If they said it was 68, then I'd be like, all right, well, that's in line with West Coast. Maybe it's a hybrid. I don't know. But it's hard to tell without that information. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. But I um, like it. It's fun. I could see myself drinking this at a campfire late at g- night. It's when's the last time you went camping? Oh, it's been a minute. I I have to say, I always really, I went camping growing up with my family all the time. I really liked it. We had like one of those pop-up tents. You crank it and slowly just gets bigger and it becomes a a A tent. tent. Like you attach it to your car. There are like beds in there. It's like a whole thing. But I, I haven't been camping in quite some time. I think where I'm at in my life now, if I were to go camping, I would need some sort of enclosure. The whole idea of like, yeah, just grab a, a uh, sleeping bag, sleep under the stars. No, mosquitoes really like me. So I'm going to need some sort of like closure, maybe a pillow, but I'm down to go camping. Yeah, I don't like to hang out in places where I can't flush a toilet um, if mm. I use one. That's just me. Yeah. Uh, also, where do I charge my phone, you know? No, I'm kidding. You I'm don't. Not, Turn I'm your not phone off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about the brewery because uh, now that I've just, you know, bitched about stuff for a while, but they are they are a great brewery. They were founded originally in 2014. I mentioned they're in Oxnard. Oxnard is in Ventura County. It's kind of like just outside LA. It's like a place where if you live in LA, but you don't want to live in LA, like you're like, mm. you know, maybe your job's in SoCal or something, but you don't want to be in the Los Angeles. It's outside. It's like suburbs of that sort of. We commute. Yeah, uh, you can <laughs> for sure. Uh, it's a full name is Casa Agria Specialty Ales. They describe themselves as a boutique brewery focused on mixed fermentation, farmhouse style ales, barrel aged wild ales, and yeast driven yeast driven India pale ales. Uh, so I think their like first love really is farmhouse style ales or we're talking about sours really is what we're talking about. And, you know, that speaks to, if you're on YouTube, you can see the brewery behind me. This is their tap room location. And clearly you can see barrels on barrels on barrels, which we love so much. Uh, the show tagline is put it in a barrel with Gabe and Steven. And then we play Mike. That's how that, that's just the way it works. That's just how those things flow together. Welcome to the hop. It was founded by a pair of home brewers. Surprise, surprise, Eric Ward and Michael Wayant. They were looking to create something sh- uh, that was in short supply in Ventura County, which is um, a barrel-aged wild ale facility. And I can speak to that for sure. California lacks beer variety, and it's getting better, but breweries like this help to sort of bridge that gap. Um, Southern California especially lacks experimentation in the beer industry, and so it's great to see a, a company like this they opened their first production space in 2015, and uh, at the time, they didn't need to have a brew house. Apparently, all their early batches were brewed at the Lab Brewing Company, so they started as sort of a contract brewing situation, but they have since grown, as you can yeah. see. It's really cool. Uh, you know, Casa Agria, apparently in Spanish, means sour house. So mm-hmm. everything what you're saying is on par, on brand, totally makes sense. 
Uh, it all started, as you said, in May of 2015, they created a 400-person membership club, which sold out in four days. So they got the word out. They started. They got the fan base. And then bang, here they are. Uh, they officially opened their taproom doors in early of 2016. They've been looking for the different side. They've been looking to be unique. They've been looking to be the, the to stand out. And there's nothing better than that. You know, we we rarely. I think it's safe to say we rarely come across a brewery that says, "Yeah, we special we specialize." In specialty ales such as like wild fermented sour stuff. I mean, every brewery has their sours. Some breweries are specific for their sours, but it's a brewery like this that come outwardly and say, we are going to specialize and we're going to do this this way. They're out there. I mean, uh, Allagash started as one of those kinds of breweries, um, and there are and there are plenty out there, and we have had a number of them on the show. The thing is, it's more of a niche market. I mean, I have plenty of friends who say, when it comes to beer, I if they're beer people, I like IPAs. I need an IPA. I will not go there if I can't get an IPA. So it's definitely a niche market, and it takes more capital. I mean, these barrels that you see behind me are not cheap, and it's also it takes time to ferment your beer that way and let it, you know, ferment in a barrel and sour and age. That takes time. So it's not something you can just crank out beers the way you can crank out, you know, your IPAs in a tank or your Blondales or your, you know, name your ale here. It's just, it's kind of like being a lager house. It's like, it's more of a commitment and it's more of a niche market. So it's something we see less of, but I agree. It's great. And that's why I think, you know, having something like that in Southern California, which needs that kind of variety is, uh, gonna take the beer scene down here hopefully to a different level yeah y'all need more styles yeah yeah we do we really do yeah uh but the company is great i'd love to stop by for a beer i love the sort of punk rock attitude about them or heavy metal to attitude about them i guess is more appropriate and to that point i have another beer perfectly in line with what we're talking about we're running out of time I guess we should just get to it. Let's get into it. And I have the Camp Strawberry. Now, you had a camp. I've got a camp. Camp seems to be a big theme. We with this might brewery. as well just go camping. We Well, we'll talk about it. But here it is, uh, the old bottle. It's a Camp Strawberry. It's a Saison Ale with strawberries. Nice. Fun. Second episode in a row with you with strawberries. I see a pattern. I like my berries. Uh, (laughs) It was bottled uh, November of last year. This is the type of beer that can keep for a while uh, if properly stored. And, you know, it's an aged beer. It's a fermented beer, so it's going to have some funk to it, I would imagine. From the brewery, this oak-aged and blended Saison was conditioned on whole strawberries from Fukutomi Farms, located right next to our brewery. Fukutomi! It is a 6.2% ABV beer advocate. Still not very helpful. Untapped 3.78. It's weird because this brewery is like on Beer Advocate. They're they they have plenty of Casa Agria beers. They literally have everything except these beers that but we're a drinking. a solid goose egg for us. Bruh. Uh, yeah, Untapped 3.78 though. And here it is in the glass. Now it is not like red. It doesn't look like wine. 
or anything like that. If that's what you're thinking, it's a golden ale. It's got a little bit of, uh, let me hide that other beer's name, a little bit of cloudiness to it. It's not hazy, um, but it's it's just a little bit cloudy. On the SRM chart, I would put it around probably a seven or an eight. It's like a deep golden amber color. Um, very pretty, poured with a, a little bit of a head, sort of a fizzy white head, not much retention or lacing to speak of, but lots of bubbles com- coming up from the bottom of the glass. Now, this is not a sour, as I was saying. It's a Saison, so it's going to, and then it's aged in barrels, and so it's going to have some funk to it, but it's not going to be as tart as like a kettle soured beer or anything like that. I'm expecting it to be more of a Saison, more of those Belgian spices, you know, more of those mm. like or German spices, that kind of stuff. More of that, some of that banana, some of that stuff that we like to see in a Saison. Bubble sort of, gum. Yeah, some of that kind of stuff. So uh, I'm going to smell it now. You should do that. I love I love the Belgian spices in a beer. They're, they're always so good. and They're always so weird, but like in a good way. So interested. Well, when I smell it, I take back what I just said because it smells sour as fuck. This smells Ooh. very, very tart. Um, you get the berries. You get a lot of acidity, some currant, some pear. Uh, it, I don't get a whole lot of banana. I don't get a whole lot of you know malt either. There's not a lot of like crackeriness or anything like that. There's nothing really grassy about it. This, the acidity dominates the aroma to me. Interesting. Yeah, it makes me a little um, scared to drink it. It's like almost puckering on the mouth. It's very, very tart. Nice. Uh, in in a good way. If you like sours, I mean that's 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 to be commended. But uh, it's just more sour than I was expecting it to be. So uh, yeah, strawberries. Here we go. Let's do this. God, Godspeed, Stephen. Wow. Yeah, you really got the weird, interesting stuff. I got the classics, but. Uh... It's good to have that balance, you know? I feel like we've we've got this and that and do a little happy dance about it. It's very it's very puckering up front, very tart. Um, if you like sour beers, you will like this. If you are someone who's not really into sours, I was expecting it to be a little bit less tart because it's not kettle soured. It's mm. barrel-aged and fermented on the strawberries. I wasn't expecting this much acidity, but also... Polar opposite from what I was just drinking. So, you know, I've had some water. I had to sort of reset the palate, but there's still that going on. But the esters are very, very strong. There's a lot of sort of that acetate. Um, It's spicy. It's zingy. Um, Once you get used to the kind of tartness and the acidity, the berry flavors are definitely there. I mean, it's like, you know, a nice strawberry smoothie or something i don't know it's uh you get you get the strawberry for sure uh with a little bit of other berries you know probably some raspberry and other things like that in the mix the um it's not very sweet it's not overly sweet but uh the malt is just just playing a supporting role if that it's just an afterthought totally um it drinks more like a kettle hopped beer to me uh, again, very, very tart. Just, it's just, it's a sour. I mean, let's just call it what it is, but, and a very good one. Um, I love the berry flavors, but it's all about the strawberry and, you know, the fact that it's a Saison versus 
something. I mean, Cezanne is a farmhouse style ale and that's what this is. So I guess that is mm. it, but I don't get any of those. What, you know, if I was just drinking a Cezanne style ale, I would expect the, the spices, the coriander, the Belgian, all that kind of stuff. And that stuff is not really present in this to me at all. It's, it's, it's all about them strawberries. So sour lovers take note. Casa Agria in Oxnard, California is doing your thing. Hell Yeah. Is it my turn? Am I tagging in? Let's do it. Let's get back to the do norm. Yeah. Let's get another West Coast IPA up in this bitch because why not? This one's I've not got, hazy, though. This one's not hazy. I've got the Zeros to Heaven West Coast IPA. This is, uh, I believe, one of their more popular ones, and I am excited uh, for it. 7%, no IBUs to speak of. Beer Advocate gave it a 412.59. I'm kidding. They have yet to review it. Untapped gave it a 3.83. And the SRM chart, if you're on YouTube, this one is not hazy, but cloudy. It's got the same color as the first one I had pretty much. So I would put this between like a six and a seven-ish. Uh, pretty yellow, uh, dark, Gish straw yellow on the color. The note from the brewery says, Zeros to Heaven, a tasty modern rift on the classic West Coast IPA. Brewed with barley and Dexton malt, we dry hopped this with a bunch of Simcoe and Strata backed up by Citra. Steven, get that <laughs> argument. It's ready. Catch a cool one wherever the coast takes you. Yeah, I mean, this one isn't called a hazy West Coast, so I don't have as big a problem with it. But um, yeah, I mean, the argument still stands. Although, uh, I mean, Citra and Simcoe, Simcoe, it's just that those hops lend themselves so well to the New England style that right. they tend to be. I mean, they are still hops and they still have a bitterness to them and they can work well in a West Coast style. So I don't hate that combination, even though we see Citra hops everywhere we go. True. Everywhere. Let's see if it works. Off the smell, hoppy, earthy, little bit of citra. I got to be honest, it's pretty much the first beer I had, except it doesn't smell as soft or creamy or light. It smells more like it smells like it's going to be more carbonated. I'm seeing a lot more bubbles and I'm kind of hoping it is. So without further ado, cheers. Yeah, this is where it gets a little tricky, right? Because we... Uh we, you know, our show, we've been very clear about the fact that we are not sommeliers. We're not beer experts. We don't know everything about beer. And so this is the point where, as the sort of layman beer drinkers that we are, we have to look at these beers and go, okay, one six point eight, one seven. that's very similar. We got a similar hop build. One's called a West Coast IPA. One's called a hazy West Coast IPA. Really? Like, I know that they're different, but like, really, like, what's the, the difference, though? You know what I mean? Like, we I, I feel like I need to give voice to that person. Right. Just because I know those people are out there. And I think that that's a valid question. And it, with, with those kinds of IPAs, it becomes really difficult to detect. There are subtle differences. I don't mean to take that away from from the art of beer making at all. Mm -hmm. But I've been in breweries where I'm looking at a board and I'm going, all right, listen, man, you got eight double IPAs up there. And they all say 8% ABV. Can you please explain the difference? Like, I know different hops and stuff, but like, really, can you tell me what? Pick yeah, your favorite. Yeah, so the first one over yeah. here. And they probably go into a whole tangent, I bet. That's where, yeah, that's where the inclusive thing comes in. Anyway, how's that beer? Yeah. 
It's good. This is more of a West Coast than I was expecting with the first one. The first one had me kind of like, yeah, it's a West Coast, but it's tinkering the other way. This one's like, nah, we know who we are. It's got that good carbonation as I wanted it. The there There is a low to medium bitterness on the finish, but there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think it needs any more or any less. I think it's just, it is what it is. I am getting a little bit of citrus now that I think about it and recognize it. The, the citrus hops really do play a factor. They're definitely not the star of the show. I think the star of the show is just the earthiness, the hoppiness, the overall just mouthfeel. It's, it's, yeah, I don't know what else to say. It's just like a classic solid West Coast IPA. I think this is the type of beer that can kind of work almost anywhere. I wouldn't not drink this in the summer. I wouldn't not drink it like in the winter, maybe not camping, but it definitely has a place in this world. I enjoy it. I think it's the, the malt presence is a little bit more forward than I thought it would be. Again, nothing wrong with that. Just pointing it out. And that's cool. All for it. And I, we normally rank, we kind of haven't been going off of those, but if I had to choose between the two, I think I would pick this one over the other one. The other one was great. It was solid. It was fun. But this one is more of familiar. This is more of what I know, what I experience, what I like. And it just tastes more like if you put these both in front of me and said, which one do you think best represents the West Coast style? Zeros to heaven right here. Love it. I'm down. Great. Uh, I will let us leave it there because uh, time is a ticking. It's a jam packed episode. And Bob is just like begging to get on on the mic. So, I mean, we got to let the man in. Here we go. You're in. Bob, come here. Can Art and Crafts. Let's go camping. Can Arts and Crafts. Let's get it. Camp Comfort. We've got some mountains. The A in camp is a tent. Brilliant. Well, way to go, guys. We've got some purple and yellow and some orange. It's kind of got like a Los Angeles Lakers vibe to it with a little bit of orangey heat. I'm a big fan of that, but it's very detailed. It looks like a cartoon artwork of a campsite, and I have an appreciation for that. Zeros to Heaven is literally a type stylistic art, but it looks like a sunset or sunrise, however you want to look at it. But the the world in maroon, orange, and purple, and then black, those colors kind of come across. It's kind of simple, but also intricate at the same time. Stevens Cans, the first one is just, there's a lot going on. It looks like a Ouija board almost from this angle. Uh, you said people are coming down from something. Well, the part that doesn't show up on YouTube is there is some bright green sort of like lightning coming down out of said like Ouija borders staying to attack this city below or it's not even a city. You know what it is? It's Stonehenge, basically. It's that like oh. circle. And then there are people like dancing in the middle of it. You know what? Check the Instagram for this one because this <laughs> is uh, this is intense. And then you've got a big ass bottle of strawberry. Yeah, there's just strawberries and another little tent. They love the camping theme. I really like it. Uh, your beers first. The first one, the metalhead 
3.7 guy. I'm going to give that a solid 9.7. I think that's interesting. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot going on. The strawberry, I'm going to give a 9. I really love the big-ass strawberries with the tent. It looks really cool. It's very bright. The Camp Comfort, I'm going to give an 8.7. It's light. It's bright. Uh, there's a lot going on. It looks like a campsite, which is cool. The Zeros to Heaven, again, it's simplistic, but it's also intricate at the same time. It's also simple, but also depending on the type of artist you are, I feel like this is the type of can that you see in a museum and the real artist head stare at it for like two hours and they're like, what does it mean? So that's going to give it an little extra point. It's going to give it a 9.5. Those are my scores. Bob Ross is here. He showed up. He's ready to go camping. Steven, if we go camping, you know, we have to bring Obviously, him we're bringing us. Bob, yeah. Because he's never going to let us hear the end of it if he doesn't come with us. But that's that. That's what it is. And that is another great edition of Can Arts and Crafts. So we don't have a whole lot of time to talk about what they have on tap, but I will mention, you know, some stuff that's there at the moment. They have a decent variety of styles. They do have some seltzers, some hard sodas, a Mexican style lager, which I like IPAs for days. Hell yeah. Uh, I already know what Gabe's going to say is his favorite. And I already know that I hate that one, but I'll throw out and their peaches and cream frutalella, frutaletta, frutaletta, which is an imperial sour with peaches, brewed with lactose, peaches, and marshmallow. But it's a sour. But oh, it's 8% shit. ABV. And it's imperial. I'm interested. Wait, wait, which one's my favorite? I would I would have guessed you would have thrown out uh, the Vagabond Breakfast. Not even seeing it. It's an there imperial style. It imperial style with peanut butter, maple, bacon, and coffee. Absolutely. Where's Joe? Touchdown! Unbelievable! See how, <laughs> you see know me so well. Excited he got just. Now. I didn't even see that one <laughs> until you pointed it out. Twelve percent oh. ABV, and it's a it's a collab with Aslan Beer Company out of Virginia. Um, That's dope. I can't support any beer with peanut butter in it, but the maple Boy. bacon and coffee I'm intrigued by. There you go. You can give credit where credit is due. All right, Casa Agria, check them out. Uh, they have, uh, I just appreciate the experimentation. I appreciate the variety, as I oh, mentioned yeah. before and numerous times in this episode. Southern California needs it, and breweries like this will survive if beer drinkers like us support them. So get on it, people. And with that, we're going to last call. Hey, so very on brand. We're before we gonna... say anything else, before we say anything else, let's Go give a shout it. out to Keenan Thompson, who appears in that last call segment right there and uh, hosted the Emmys this past. Um, well, it's tomorrow for us, but it was this past Monday for y'all. We would yeah. talk about it, but we don't know what's going to happen. But shout out to Keenan. Good job hosting the Os- the Emmys. We think he's the man. We love him. We hope it anyway. goes well. <laughs> anyway, sticking on brand. Forever may she reign. Let's talk about the queen. Remember earlier when I said she had a sense of humor? Well, apparently she liked to prank Americans, which what European wouldn't? I Why not? I was, yeah. Why the hell not? So basically, long story short, the story goes, she has a house on, she has a Scottish estate. It's where she spent most of her time. It's where she liked to relax, get away from everyone, do her own thing. There was a couple 
They were visiting. They were going on a walk. She was walking the grounds with now Mr. Man in power, King Charles III. They were hanging out and she was not dressed in her fancy hats or her crown and pole, whatever that thing is called. She was dressed in literally, she, okay, I'm going to say it and I don't want to be disrespectful, but she looked like a grandma. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, she's she had the, the scarf shawl. going on. She's got the shawl. Yeah. yeah. She's, uh, like, she's dressed down for the day. Let's she's put it dressed that way. down. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Great. She's dressed down. They're walking the, the grounds and this couple walks by and basically they're they're They meet them and they're like, oh, like, do you live around here? And she basically is like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I have a, a house, a state kind of nearby. The, it was American man and woman. They were just visiting. Uh, she said that she lived in London but had a house just over the hill. And he asked how often she had been coming up here. And the quote was, she said, oh, yeah, I've been coming up here for more than 80 years. And you can see the cogs were ticking. So they were like, what's going on? Like, wow, 80 years. Like, she she must be old. And so then the guy says to her, well, if you've been coming up for here for 80 years, you must have met the queen. And without missing a beat, she says, well, I haven't. But King Charles certainly, certainly has. They got a photo with Charles, and they had her take wow. the photo. They had her take the photo. They had her take the photo. <laughs> they had no idea who she That's was. That's amazing. She played right into it, kind of like any celebrity would. Like, oh, are you? No, I'm not that person. But yeah, I'll take your photo. She eventually ended up getting a photo with them. And one of the funniest things she pulled away from that was she turned to Charles and said, like, I can't wait till they show a friend so they can be like, do you know who that is? That's I mean, I love that she had a sense of humor and my favorite story of it. I mean, this story is is great. And, you know, um. She didn't seem like a haha person. You know what I mean? Like, I no, just, she did not. She no. didn't really. She every, seemed a little. Every photo of her smiling, it's like, yeah, she forced that smile. She seemed a little buttoned up. Um, <laughs> but there is uh, the the story that kept going around uh, after she died last week was um, the 2012 Olympics. Have you seen any of this? She did like a sketch. There was like a James Bond thing. And um, she did it with it's like her and Daniel Craig and they did this whole sketch. It's like this whole long video, but it culminated. So they they like aired the video at like the arena, whatever, in the 2012 Olympics. And then it culminated with James Bond, like jumping out of a helicopter and parachuting down with the queen. So the two of them leapt out of a helicopter. Now, she didn't actually do it, but she pranked everybody. There's like this little I think they like I think it was a dummy or something, but it looked like her. (laughs) So so and it's 2012. So she was what? She's 90, she was 86 at the time. So there's just this video of like these two like figures leaping out of a helicopter in the night sky in London. British parachute opens up and people thought for a minute, like the queen, like this old lady was like, get her. Uh, (laughs) This little old lady just slowly (laughs) parallel. Daniel Craig's got me. Like I can't. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's. Oh, at the British monarchy, man, it's this weird, like, it's just, it's this, this intense institution and she was the face of it for so long. Yeah, so it's, it's so crazy. Cause I, 
I know nothing about the monarchy, the royal family. I don't pay attention to the weddings and the people, you know, people in America wake up at 5 a.m. to watch it or whatever. I don't watch The Crown. I, it's not that I'm not opposed to it. I just, it's on my list. I haven't gotten there yet. So I don't really know a lot about it. So just seeing certain things and videos, photos, like exactly what you said, she seemed very like, well, I mean, you know, she's royalty. She can't laugh. You know, it's like, no, take it seriously. So I would love to just like sit down and have a beer with her and be like, so like, what's the craziest thing you ever done? Like, let's be real. I won't say anything. I think the craziest thing she ever, based on the portrait I saw of her in the crown and what I know of her, I think the craziest thing she'd ever did was if she ever had like a glass of wine. I mean, that woman Oof. is, that woman is, is, is she was, uh, yeah, put I mean, together. She, but she was, you know, she, she put, uh, she committed to put the British people and the, and the position she was in and the institution of the monarchy, uh, first in her life. And that's what she did. And it's to be commended. Um, yeah, I don't think she was having a beer with nobody. Okay. I don't think even, and we could have been the first her fancy hats. Oh my God. <laughs> There's a there's Welcome a photo. Welcome to the Hobbit Gabe and Steven. We've got Queen Elizabeth here today. This might be disrespectful. This this is a little disrespectful. I, we we digress. <laughs> the 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 moral of it was we're pouring one out for her, and the fun yeah. topic is she had a sense of humor. She pranked some Americans as she should have, and uh, let's all give it up for her. This one's for her, and that's. That's that. And with that, we need to get out of here. We have so much coming down the pike in the next couple of weeks. We got Oktoberfest coming up. Then it's going to be the holidays. You know, that's a crazy time here on the hop. We, uh, yeah, we're just, we're just gearing up. So everybody get ready, strap in. Uh, there's some, it's, it's a fun beer drinking season and we're going to be with you through it all. Yep. So we're going to look out for those. Oktoberfest beers and pumpkin yes, beers, sir. all that kind of stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll see you guys. See you in two weeks.